0: check, check, mic check, 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 mic check. <laughs> Welcome to Podcast Envy. I'm your podcast boss, Andrea Clunder, and today my guest is Troy Heinritz of The Blacklist Exposed. Full confession, The Blacklist is a television show I have never watched in my life. Part B of that full confession, I've never actually listened to Troy's show because I don't watch the TV show, and therefore, since his show is a fan cast for the TV show, I would probably not have a clue what on earth they were talking about if I listened to it. However, I had the opportunity to meet Troy at this year's podcast movement, and when I mentioned that I was doing a series for Podcast Envy about podcasting and social impact, he said, oh, I have a fabulous story for you. And he was right. And I like Troy. And I really liked the way that his story resonated, because when I think of a TV fan cast, I don't always immediately think of social impact. So in this episode, you are going to hear both how Troy and I met and his story about how this medium, this format, this genre really can have a profound impact in people's lives. Without any further ado, here is Troy Heinritz, Troy Heinrichs, thank you so much for joining me for Podcast Envy.
1: I am so super excited to be here because this is why podcasting is so great. We're at an event, Podcast Movement in particular, in Philadelphia this past year. Got introduced to each other by the wonderful, super awesome one Jennifer Briney. And lo and behold, we are both in Chicago. So we had to go to Philadelphia to actually meet, even though we are in the same hometown.
0: And then we had a friend in common who used to be in Chicago, who is now all the way in L.A., who is Hannah DeBoer, who's been on this podcast before talking about podcasts. Well, we were calling it podcast therapy. So podcasts that you should listen to because she is podcast super fan number one. Absolutely. Hi, Hannah. If you're listening, we totally miss you. (laughs) Yes, we do. So, Troy, fill us in a little bit. Tell me, what is Golden Spiral Media? What does that have to do with you? And what shows are you involved in? Because you are like a super podcaster.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That's so kind. It sounds more like, <laughs> man, he does a lot and it's a crap ton of work, which it totally is. We are Golden Spiral Media. We like to call ourselves podcast by geeks for geeks. And what we actually started out with was back in circa 2010-ish, there was a cool TV show called Fringe that was on Fox starring Joshua Jackson and one John Noble and Anna Torv and Daryl Darnell and his buddy Clint were doing this fan podcast where they talk about the show after the fact and became like these super legends in the Fringe community. They called themselves the Bunsen Burners. And with that kind of golden spiral media was the play off of something in that show, which was called the pattern or to most general people would known as the Fibonacci sequence, where there are these like perfect spirals in nature where they just kind of spiral out from this you know Fibonacci sequence, if you do the math. And so that's kind of where we kind of put the two together with the fringe podcast and the pattern golden spiral for the golden spiral Fibonacci sequence. Hence golden spiral media was the name and we were off and running. And there was a small group of TV podcasters on a network called TV Talk. And Daryl was actually picked to be the producer of all of the shows on the TV Talk network. When the TV Talk network folded, sadly, within the first year, because we ran out of money, like most startups do, Daryl said, hey, you guys had one of the better shows in The Blacklist. Why don't you guys come on over to Golden Spiral Media and keep doing the show? We, Oh, that sounds great. And so we came along along with our sister show Arrow Squad for all the Arrow fans out there on the CW. And that's where we kind of started this TV fan podcast network, which has now grown to over, I think, 30 shows at one time we had in total. It was crazy.
0: Were you already a podcast listener at the time when you first got into making this show as a podcast?
1: Huge listener. I started listening back in the days of Lost and <laughs> absorb everything you possibly can from the Cliff Ravenscraft lost podcast to Wayne Henderson's lost podcast to the Jay and Jack lost podcast. Like podcasting was just in my life because way back, I'm actually a broadcasting degreed radio person. I actually spent six years on air Mm. doing a little, you know, Jim Groci coming up next on your light FM, (laughs) your workplace at works, 37 degrees and all that fun stuff. And we just had a blast doing that and ended up kind of moving for love instead of career to Chicago. So I had to find a different job that wasn't in radio. And so this podcasting thing was kind of the radio itch, if you will, for me. I was kind of like finding that what's the one show that you can jump in on? Because Lost was already going. Fringe was already owned by Daryl. And then it's like, well, what one show could I pick up on? And we were big Stephen King fans. So we said, hey, let's do Under the Dome on CBS. It's by Jack Bender. He's got Lost credentials. It's by Brian K. Vaughn he's got lost credentials. So combining all that together, this is going to be the powerhouse show for CBS. We're going to be in the forefront. We're going to be the best ones at this. And the show was terrible.
0: (laughs) I'm like, I don't think I ever even heard of it.
1: (laughs) It was so bad. The first season was good enough, but the second and third season was so bad that we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? Do we keep podcasting about this show because we hate the show and we don't want to watch the show? Or do we have a social responsibility to be a support group for all the other people that are still watching the show because for some reason they can't get rid of it too. And that's what we decided to do. We said, we're going to watch the show and just hate watch is the right word, but close to that. Let's just say we had fun doing the podcast to the point where one of our reviews was the podcast is actually better than the show and I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fabulous. Okay, for someone like me who I got into podcasting and I didn't even know that fan casts were a thing, what do fan casts do? Like, why would somebody listen to a fan cast? What is the culture or the purpose behind them? Or just take me a little deeper into this particular genre.
1: Yeah, fan casts, I think, are what I would call the water cooler conversation replacement. You came into work and everybody watched Will and Grace the night before. Everybody watched The Office the night before, and you were talking about all this fun stuff. And then as we moved into the kind of what we call the lost era in television in that 2005, 2006, and the internet's really starting to pick up and get some traction, and you hear about cloud computing and software as a service and concepts like this, it became less and less more of the, I had to watch it last night, at the office because everybody was so fragmented in what they were doing. So it was about finding your people, finding your tribe, and just saying, okay, where can I find people that love Lost as much as I do that either A, won't literally disown me as a friend on MySpace at the time (laughs) because I talk too much about it, and where can I just figure out, like, am I on the same page in my thought process as other people? I have this theory, I just want to bounce it off somebody to see... Because if they agree with me, it increases my enjoyment of the show. And then if they agree with me, I also be like, hey, I want to talk to you next week. Can I talk to you next week? Sure. Sounds great. And I think that was really the big thing that was eye-opening about podcasting is that you can have a friend literally in New Zealand, Hmm. on the other side of the world, that likes something that you like, and then you can start to build a relationship that when you meet in person for the first time, you just go, oh, it's just you, rather than that whole anxiety and oh my gosh, blind date kind of thing. And you're just like, oh, what are we going to do? And you're sweating, armpit stains and the whole thing. <laughs> like, They're just people. They're just fans. Just jump to a quick story. We went out to New York for being on the set of The Blacklist and met up with a bunch of people for dinner one night hmm. just because we wanted to be like, hey, we're in town. If you're here, want to meet up, hang out, talk some Blacklist. Sounds great. And sure enough, we went out to dinner. Don't go to people's houses. That's a little bit too step too far, maybe. It's a good to meet them in person once or twice. But yeah, we absolutely went to dinner with a bunch of fans. It's totally fun.
0: That's true. I think podcasting in general, you can quickly form these really intimate, unique bonds between the podcasters and the listeners, which seems odd because when you're recording your podcast, it's just you or you and your co-host or you and your guest. And you're just kind of, you know, in a room by yourself talking into microphones and you don't really necessarily always know who's listening. But then a lot of times you meet those listeners and you meet those fans and it's like you already have a shorthand with each other and you already have this natural rapport because of how long they've had you literally in their head.
1: Except sometimes you ask them to talk faster because you listen at 2x speed and you're podcast player.
0: <laughs> you're not one of those, are you? Sometimes.
1: Like the, <laughs> for, I think it was the first time I met Wayne Henderson, one of my co-hosts we went to a Packer game and he was like, hello, Troy. And I was like, you sound weird. Why do you sound weird? Oh, because I listened to you in 2XP.
0: That is so funny. I have never understood that. The first time I ever even discovered that there was a feature on your podcast player to do it at one and a half or 2X or whatever, I was thinking, why does this even exist? I do not understand. And so I tried it out. I said, Maybe this is a good way to listen to more podcasts because I'm definitely a podcast addict and I listen to a lot of shows and they do pile up, you know, in my app. And then I get behind and I was thinking, maybe this is the solution. And I think I tried listening to maybe two shows that way. And I said, nope, I cannot. It makes me feel crazy. (laughs) So we're here to talk about The Blacklist Exposed. And specifically, we're talking about podcasting and social impact in this series And when I first thought of this topic for this series, I was really thinking of podcasts that overall have a very specific social impact, mission-driven emphasis, like, oh, it's a podcast about diversity or social change, or it's a podcast about politics, or it's a podcast about this or that. And when you were like, oh, I have the perfect story about this... It would have never occurred to me that a television fan cast would fit into my series on social impact. So I thought that this was so great. How do you define social impact when you hear that phrase? What does that mean to you?
1: I really feel social impact is a way that we can change the world to make it a better place. Whether that's a specific social injustice that you're trying to go up against, whether that's a underprivileged area that you want to reform or take under your wing. Or just helping one single person. If there is one person out there that may be considering suicide or just doesn't know what to do with the next step in their life and anything you can do to make any part of the world a better place for somebody, I think that's what podcasting is able to do. And it doesn't have to be a big change. It could be a very small change because when you do that one simple change for somebody else... Obviously, the hope is is that they obviously find value in that and then, of course, extend that and pay it forward and pay it forward and it exponentially grows from there on out. So we do a TV fan podcast and you're like, well, how could you impact social change talking about a TV show? That seems weird.
0: <laughs> so how can you? Tell me the story that you had in mind.
1: Well, for us on the blacklist, obviously takes a little bit of time. There's no success overnight, to be quite honest. In our case, it took almost four seasons of the TV show. That's almost 88 episodes at that point. Mm. A lot of TV, a lot of hours, a lot of podcasting, a lot of talking. And really, it comes down to we became kind of the voice or the, I don't like the word leader, but we became the captains of the ship, if you will. We use a a play on the words from the actual show itself from season three. We became the captains of the ship and the kind of the go-between between the actual writer's room and the creators of The Blacklist and the fans. We kind of became the conduit in the middle that glued it together. And that happened probably in short order in season three, where we started getting some interviews with the writer's room. And then we got an interview with the creator, John Bokenkamp. And after that, it led to some interviews with the actors. So we met Amir Arison and Hisham Tafwik, who played two of the kind of side characters on the show and have risen up to prominent status over the years because the audience has grown more attached to them. I hope that we were able to help with that in some way because we talk about their characters a lot because we love the side stories as much as we love the main leads. But the main leads obviously drive the show already. But it's the side characters that really flush out the story and we're very much on the story. And one of the lead characters, Megan Boone, she happened to be listening to Amir Arison's interview that we did because they're friends. And we were talking about the fact that people were super upset about us not discussing Megan Boone's pregnancy and how it would affect the show when we interviewed the creator. And we said, look, it's very simple, guys. Megan Boone is a human being. She's a person. So all we're going to say about Megan Boone's pregnancy is congratulations. We hope everything goes well and you have a wonderful time with your daughter or son whenever they're born. And when it comes to Liz Keene, the character on the TV show, when Liz Keene is pregnant, we will talk about it in that context. And just left it at that. Hmm. Megan actually heard that interview, and she made it a point to come on our show. Like She's the star of the show. She does like Jimmy Fallon and that kind of stuff, right? She's doing the normal press circuit like on Today. She doesn't have to come on our podcast. We're nobody to her. But that impact for her about how people in media would actually look at her as a person and not a thing really resonated with her. And because of that, we had the opportunity to have a pretty in-depth discussion with her about what it is like for her in the business. This is her first big role. And how does that affect body image? And how do women look up to her? And how do females look up to her as she deals with this stuff? And at that point, her character pseudo dies in season three. Hmm. And they actually tried to make her play into that a little bit with her own personal social media accounts and just really make it look like she'd left the show because they didn't want to give away the fact that she is not really dead at the end of the season. And it's not a big spoiler because she's still on the show. You can see her pictures everywhere. <laughs> but the big thing there was, was that we just had a really great conversation about her impact as a female working in Hollywood, raising a daughter. She doesn't need any special considerations and things of that nature. And we were able to get her story out there because of podcasting. That's one thing that we were able to do from that perspective, from the show's perspective. That opened up an opportunity for us to really catch the eyes of a lot of fans and really become like, oh, these guys are legit. And so we really became part of the fan community, kind of catering the fan community. And we ended up finding out that there was this one lady, Lulu McClellan. She was a huge, huge fan of the show, huge fan of James Spader, had some medical issues and she ended up passing away and she was never going to get to see the end of the show. And so we said, hey, we got to do something about this. So we contacted the Blacklist crew, John Bokenkamp and company and said, hey, that's a pretty big fan in the community. Everybody knows Lulu. I know this is a stretch, but if there's anything you can do, you know, send her family a card or drop her sister a phone call and just thank her for Lulu's thing, whatever. Just do something for her. That'd be really great. And John's like, okay, let's see what we can do. And then we didn't hear anything for a while. And it turns out mid-season four, Red gets poisoned, the main character, James Spader. He gets poisoned close to death. He ends up waking up in this house and there's this lady sitting across from him in the TV show. And as he's waking up, he's like, well, who who are you? And she says, I'm Lulu, Lulu McClellan. And it was like, oh, my gosh, like they literally named a character after Lulu in the show who literally saves Red's life.
0: OK, wait, did you know they were going to do that ahead of time or you were Not just innocently all. watching the show and it happened? Innocently
1: watching the show and it just happened. And we were in touch with Lulu's sister and, you know, some back and forth conversations said, hey, we don't know what's going to happen out of all of this, but just want to let you know, we reached out, we did what we could, you know, if somebody contacts you, just wanted to let you know why you're being contacted, didn't know what they were going to do. And then when we saw this, it was kind of like this, like, <gasps> the gasp, a collective gasp in the community and Twitter lit up and then Facebook lit up and like, oh my gosh, they mentioned Lulu. They're so great. And it was a really nice way for the fans to understand a... The writers of the show are listening to them and are paying attention Two, it was really great way for the show to give back to the fans to say, hey, here's this tribute that we're going to do. And they've done it more than once. Another gentleman by the name of Joey Schoenberger, he actually passed away as well. And they had a, a line in there about going to Joey Schoenberger's cabin for one thing. So they've done a really good job of including the fans with the show. And I think that's just super awesome because it just makes it all seem so much smaller And in that context, it really has a huge impact on people's lives.
0: Yeah, I think it just shows you, the fan, you, the audience member, you matter. And I think when you're consuming entertainment media or entertainment live, like let's say you're the audience at a play or a musical or an opera or a concert, you can see that interaction between the performers and the audience in real time. But when it's a recorded media like a podcast or a TV show or a movie, There's a little bit of that disconnect, right? There's a wall between. I think Seth Godin, in terms of marketing media, he calls it synchronous and asynchronous interaction. Mm -hmm. And so a recorded entertainment medium is asynchronous, right? The performance and the receiving of that performance is not happening in real time. Correct. And that kind of bridges that psychological gap where you can kind of, I mean, it must be great for the creators of the show to to have that feedback of how people are experiencing their work, like on an individual level instead of like, oh, fans everywhere love your show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because it seems like it's a throwaway line, like everybody loves The Blacklist. You all should watch it. No, these people are like invested to the point where they connect to a point that's uh, just unbelievable in a lot of ways. In this show in particular, it's very interesting. There's been this whole concept of what is the relationship between these two lead characters, Red Reddington and Elizabeth Keene, James Spader and Megan Boone. And some people think that maybe he's her father. Some people think that maybe they're lovers. Some people think that maybe Red is actually Liz's mother, and she had to hide from the KGB. So she got a sex change to move into this male role so that she could still keep eyes on her daughter while hiding in plain sight, if you will. And these theory camps, as we call them, just oh my gosh, you're right. You're right. I'm right. I'm right. (laughs) And it's like this battle online constantly. Even to this day, they still fight back and forth. And in that one moment to see the entire Blacklist community come together and take that pause for Lulu was just like, oh my gosh, that's something that we were able to help accomplish.
0: It's podcast angel time. And today's is the Podcast Envy Launch If you are listening to this soon after it releases, you still have a few days left to get the 411 on the first and last launch pod of 2018. What the heck is a launch pod? Well, if you have been listening to this show because you are thinking of launching a podcast, but you have not yet. And if you are thinking that the start of the new year, January 2019, is the right time to start your show, finally, at last and you want some support, and you want some guidance, and you want to know that you're starting off strong, then the Launch Pod is for you. It is a group coaching program that also includes editing services for your first few episodes and customized feedback and coaching from me, your podcast boss. Who better to get it from? We start October 2018, and you must reach out to me by October 6th to let me know that you're interested. The best way to do that is to go to bit.ly forward slash launch pod envy. That's bit.ly forward slash launch pod envy. Of course, linked in the show notes for this episode. Drop your email there and I will send you all the details. And hey, not quite ready to start yet? No problem because launch pod number two will be coming up January 2019 in order to get ready to launch by March. Springtime, emerging from that long winter if you're in the Midwest like I am, not a bad time to launch a podcast. So even if you want to wait till January, get on the list now so that you can get priority registration. These launch pods are super limited because I want to be able to give your show the attention it deserves. One more time, that's bit.ly forward slash launch pod envy. Drop your email and I will send you all the details. No spam. I promise. Going back to your story about Megan and her pregnancy and having her on your show. How long was that interview?
1: Well, we were slotted for only 30 minutes. And then, of course, as the conversation kept going and kept going, it was probably a good hour by the time we were said and done and wrapped up.
0: And that's what I was going to say, too, because you mentioned, you know, she's doing the circuit on the Today Show and Jimmy Fallon and blah, blah, blah. She doesn't need this podcast. But that's actually kind of not true because those kinds of shows, those mass media and broadcast media opportunities, you don't get a very long time segment and they don't really want a lot of depth. They want like the sensational or the entertaining or the soundbite. You're not going to go as in-depth as an hour-long podcast interview. And I think that that's something that's so sort of unique to podcasting is that you have that opportunity to be more long-form and to have more of an intimate, in-depth conversation with someone that they might not get to tell their full story out there on a broadcast television show.
1: And she's a huge activist in trying to make the world a better place, you know, clean water, clean living. Try to reduce fossil fuels, just doing stuff better because she's a mother now. So she doesn't have to think about herself in the next 20 years. She's got to think about the next 60 years and what her daughter is going to experience. You would never understand that in a typical Today Show or Jimmy Fallon interview. And then to top that off, you know, she's just an amazing artist in general. Like it's not that she's just an actress. She actually directed a short called Eggshells for Soil, which you can watch on YouTube. And it's rooted in some stories that she has of her own child upbringing and to watch that and just, oh my gosh, she's got like a real director's eye that you think that, well, where's her career going to go from here? This is really exciting stuff. And people don't get to see that. They just see the glamorous life of the actress, Megan Boone. They don't get to see the introverted, thought provoking, planful and artistic Megan Boone. And I'm glad that we were able to bring that to the world for her.
0: I'm assuming there are other Blacklist fan casts out there. Yeah.
1: There were at the time, yeah, there were probably three or four others when it first started out. After Buzz is a big name you hear in the TV fan podcast space, basically backed by Maria Menunos, who you see in front of all the movies if you watch First Look or <laughs> mm-hmm. one of those other things.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, why does that name sound familiar? Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> I'm Maria Menunos, and this is First Look. So there was obviously an After Buzz blacklist, I think through season four. They stopped at the end of season four. There's a few other side blacklists like us two guys in a room talking. And I think there was one with a guy and a girl that did one. So yeah, I mean, there's competition, but it wasn't like Game of Thrones or Westworld where there's like 60 podcasts for Mm -hmm. those because everybody wants to get in on that bread and butter, right? It was a journey. So we just somehow through the years, we just kind of rose to the top of the stack and got notice. And I just think it was because we were very honest with the show. And when we liked things we liked, we said we liked them. And if we didn't like things, we made sure people knew that we didn't like them. And I think we just had a better eye on what the show was about and caught the eye of John Camp and things happen for a reason.
0: Mm-hmm. When you're working on a fan cast for a show that has other podcasts, do you listen to the other ones and does that influence what you're doing or how you're doing it or not at all? You just stay in your own camp.
1: That's the fun thing because there's obviously only so many directions you can take certain things because yeah. it's obviously dictated to be this means this. And how are you going to talk about it t- 60 different ways if there's... 60 different Westworld podcasts. It was a lot of fun, I think, for us on the Under the Dome side because we all were just like, oh my God, this show's so terrible. There were actually one, two, three, four, four Under the Dome podcasts. We would listen to each other's, but we never listened to each other's show before we recorded it because hmm. we didn't want to be accused of like stealing their idea or that kind of thing. But we always listened to their shows after the fact. And at the end of the season, all four of us got together and recorded the Under the Dome roundtable. And we actually had a thing where it was like the Knights of the Round Table. (laughs) It was inside of a snow globe. And you could actually buy one of these if you wanted to. (laughs) And it was like therapy for the 12 of us. So it was kind of fun.
0: And forgive me for not knowing this, but is the Blacklist still running or is it done?
1: It is. So very interestingly, they figured out a way to make it happen for a sixth season. And it's weird because in today's day and age, you're finding a lot more that the TV shows themselves are made at the studio that is owned by the network airing it. So you'll see a universal television production on NBC. You'll see 20th Century Fox show on Fox, obviously. And then this one in particular is made by Sony Pictures Television, which doesn't have a network tied to it. And so they have to do a much harder job of selling their content to get it on the air. And so this year in particular, they actually decided to split the show so that NBC owns 50% and Sony owns 50%. And that's how they got to season six. And they moved it to January. So they're going to do 22 episodes straight from January to May. So winter's going to be fun for us.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and do some short answer. I keep calling these short answers. And most people do not have short answers to these things. Sure. <laughs> so question number one, how long have you been podcasting again?
1: I've been podcasting since 2013 officially, so five years.
0: And how did you come up with, or did you come up with, I'm not sure who came up with it, how did you come up with the title for your show or shows?
1: For The Blacklist Exposed specifically, we kind of played it off of more around that Red Reddington has this list of villains that they're trying to capture each and every week. And so we said, oh, well, he's kind of exposing the villains to the FBI because the FBI can't catch them. So that was obviously how we came up with The Blacklist Exposed. So yeah, it's just trying to find out something that's in the show, that's tied to the show, and then kind of pull that out from it versus just like The Blacklist podcast.
0: Do you ever have to get permission from anywhere to use the name of the show or anything else related to the show itself for the fan cast?
1: You know, we always thought we had to, and yet nobody ever comes calling or knocking. I mean, we've done our due diligence to make sure that Yes, you know we've used the artwork to spec. Yes, we've you know, given attribution to everything that we need to give attribution to, try to keep it up on the up and up. But for them, it's free marketing. I mean, NBC isn't writing us a check. So they're like, if you guys want to promote our show for us, as long as they're not like grossly overdoing it, absolutely have at it. So I think they really appreciate it. I think there's a lot that has to be said to these fan podcasts that NBC themselves is actually starting up their own podcast network. They have The Good Place podcast. And they also have one for American Ninja Warrior. And so they're obviously the networks themselves are taking notice that fan casts are a marketing tool for their existing brands that they can expand on that. Just be nice if they'd hire us instead, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) Where did you get the cover art for your show? Cover art for our
1: show was actually made by a fan. So Veruca Cruz, who we give attribution to on the website, she's got really great artwork from all the shows that she's involved with and follows over the years. We've actually given her the credit for the artwork. And all we did was take the blacklist approved logo from NBC, slap that on top of Veruca's artwork, and then stamp the exposed on it just to make it kind of look cool. And yeah, it was a pretty simple process actually.
0: And theme music?
1: Theme music we got from I want to say that one was from jewelbeat.com. Just found something, you know, under the spy thriller category. <laughs> and Red's kind of like this cool, slick guy. He's a criminal, yet he was supposedly a naval officer, and he just has these fantastic stories that he tells that you learn a life lesson from. And we're just like, hanging out with Red would kind of be scary because he's a criminal. But at the same time, he just oozes cool. He's got this fedora, (laughs) and he wears the three-piece suit, and he's always so like sharp and buttoned up. And so we just tried to find something that was kind of in that spy coolness vibe.
0: What would you say is your personal podcasting superpower? Oh, my gosh. I
1: would say connection. Hmm. We've done a really great job of being able to start Facebook groups from zero and then find the people that really want to be involved, whether that's just to talk about the show or get a smaller community together that hangs out. We have a guy, a shout out to Douglas in our group. He's so cool. Every night we watched The Blacklist. Uh, It was on Thursday nights last fall. Douglas would actually post what he had for dinner before the show. (laughs) And then it became like this side community of people sharing food recipes and things that they were making. So I just thought that was super cool. Like here, we're just talking about Blacklist. And now we have like this whole different foods from all over the world that we can make in our own houses. That was totally fun. So yeah, I'd say connecting people and building community.
0: Is there anything that you dislike about podcasting?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Doing like four shows at the same time in the same week.
0: What's your turnaround time? So when you're doing a fan cast, the TV show airs. And then how long before you like have to get that episode out?
1: Magician never reveals his secrets. <laughs> no, just kidding. It depends because there are certain shows that are much more involved, like Lost, where you want to do it justice, or even Westworld will take a current show, where you want to do it justice because there's the drive to be first. So we look at it in two categories. There's the, well, we can talk about it right after watching it immediately. Instant reactions cast. What did we like? What we didn't like? That's great. Maybe a half an hour type of thing at the most. Or you can get the super in-depth, like, why was that book on the bookshelf? And why did he touch the right shoulder versus the left shoulder? Would become more like two-hour theses on the show. We try to come somewhere in the middle where we want it to be close enough to the air date that people still care to listen to something. Mm -hmm. Because when it gets too close to the start of the next episode, people have already moved on. And so we're looking for that 24 to 48-hour turnaround time. Because the other part of the show is that it is a fan cast. And so we need to give enough time for people to have seen the episode and enough time for them to comment so that they can actually be part of the program. So we have a whole for us because it's an FBI show. We have a section called Special Agent Intel. And then that's when all the fans get to give. Here's my theory for the week or here's what I think is going on. And we want to make sure we give enough time for them to get that stuff in. But usually 24 to 48 hours.
0: What is your worst podcasting moment or your biggest podcasting fail?
1: I don't know if I've had a failure yet. (laughs) It's been like such a ride that every new opportunity, whether it's not something you expected to happen, it's still a learning opportunity and you get to grow from it like super huge. We had an interview with a Packers player. We do a show for the Packers fan podcast going on eight seasons now from two guys that don't live anywhere near Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I would say that was probably our first like big oh that's kind of a bummer feeling about it because mm. he was on his cell phone that was gonna die in a bar and he only had like ten minutes. Oh my god. And we wanted to figure out like how his life was impacted and changed because he had this major injury and what it meant for him to leave the NFL and start up these camps in Dallas and you know, so he can help other players, you know, play the right way as they're growing up in the program from the youth status. Really great story. And we pushed the questions to that point and it just never came out in the interview. So I don't know if that was just an environment of his situation, or maybe we just weren't asking the questions the right way. But that would probably be the one where if I had to say like, that was kind of a bummer, that would be the one.
0: If you could look into your crystal ball and see the future of podcasting, what do you see coming?
1: I think the biggest thing with podcasting is like, I love that everybody gets a voice. Every single person, if they get a microphone and they get a computer and they sign up for the School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson, or they sign up for... Paradise with uh, John Lee, Dum- whatever floats your boat. You obviously gravitate to the people that you feel are the most engaging with the way your style operates. right? Or if you just try to figure it out on your own. A lot of these people had to do it on their own in 2005 when podcasting first started. There's plenty of stuff out there that may lead you the wrong way, but there's a lot of good stuff out there as well that you can start a podcasting on your own. It's pretty simple to do. And I just love that fact. However... There does become a point where I think we have to understand if this is going to be the next medium, if it's truly going to be where television became and radio became at one point in time, a certain level of content quality, Mm -hmm. I think does have to start rising to the top that you have to start weeding out the cruft or segmenting the cruft into certain categories that things that aren't of a certain standard can still be put out there because there's still a voice and there's still an opinion for that. At the same time, there has to be a level of quality consistency. if advertisers and other people want to come in to have the people that have a passion for this make some money so they can do it full time. Because I think that's really the struggle is that we do it not because we want to make money, but because we want to connect with the audience and have the opportunities we have to interact with the cast. If we got paid for it, it'd be great because then I wouldn't have to do the day job too. <laughs> right. You know, and it's because we love talking to people so much and engaging with people so much that we'd love to do this stuff full time so that we can do four podcasts in a week because four in a week and a day job
0: is a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Troy, what's your favorite way to connect with people on social media?
1: Oh my gosh. I'm on everything. So I think it's harder for me to pick one Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like I should make people come to me. I should go to them. So I have accounts on everything except Snapchat because Snapchat, I cannot figure out the interface. (laughs) I feel like I've gotten to that point, sadly, in my life where I work for a tech company and I should be able to understand technology. My day job is technology. so But that interface, I don't know, just perplexes me to no end. So I do not have Snapchat, but I have Instagram, I have Facebook, I have Twitter email addresses. You can go to about.me slash Troy Heinrichs, and that gives you a list of all my shows. So yeah, I'd rather converse wherever it's easier for you to converse.
0: Awesome. And we will fully link you up in the show notes for this episode of Podcast Envy, of course.
1: The show notes are important.
0: They are important. And since I have an audience of podcasters, I feel like they should definitely know how to find show notes. I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) What's your best advice for a new podcaster? And for a seasoned podcaster who maybe has hit that mid-career podcasting slump.
1: New podcaster, I say, don't worry about cash. More and more people are like, how am I going to make money? If you got a passion and you got a topic and you want to just talk about something, just talk about something. Get your arms wet. Figure it out first. I mean, we did Under the Dome Radio. We did Resurrection Revealed. We did TV Talk Revenge and TV Talk The Blacklist. That was like four shows there and the Packers Fan Podcast five shows before we ever got to the level and status that we did with The Blacklist Exposed. So that's a lot of practice over the years to be able to have the knowledge and capability to interview people like a creator of a network television show, etc.
0: And what was your advice for the more seasoned podcaster?
1: Don't get frustrated and don't give up. I mean, you never know when something's going to happen. We mentioned the NBC podcasts that are starting up with The Good Place and American Ninja Warrior. We did a small fireside chat at Podcast Movement. It was a side room. People probably didn't even know where it was. We had about maybe 50 people in our session talking about how to build fan communities and lead fan communities. And the guy who is the director of the NBC Podcast Network happened to be in the room. Hmm. Where that goes, I don't know. I've had a nice couple of email conversations with him. but. You just never know who's going to be in a moment at a particular time. So if you're feeling frustrated with your show that you've been doing for five, six years, if you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want to like start over from the beginning because it's a brand new show and I got to take this all the way from square one again when I'm not getting paid for it, I would just say just keep at it because there's a reason why you were brought onto this earth to be a podcaster. So don't let it frustrate you. Don't let it get you down. If you need to take a year off, take a year off. You know, it'll be fine. Come back stronger than ever and you'll be good to go. But just don't quit. Just don't quit.
0: Troy, is there anything else that you want to share with our podcast envy listeners today before we say goodbye?
1: Yes, we are in Chicago and we do podcasting in our houses. You don't need to go to some fancy, expensive studio or have a studio set up in your town to do podcasting. Just hang out in your pantry closet in your kitchen or your attic of your house or your basement or wherever, anywhere you can just get. A microphone and a computer and a good friend. You can have an awesome conversation on a warm, sunny
0: afternoon in Chicago. Podcast Envy is produced by your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder. That's me. The Podcast Envy theme music is by Valentin Sosnitsky, courtesy of the Freesound Project at freesound.org. And our podcast, Angel Music, is by Benjamin Masterpolito, also on freesound.org as lemon cream all music is licensed under the creative commons our episodes are mixed by edwin ruiz and hey if you want your show to sound as good as ours hire us put the magic audio mojo of the creative imposter studios to work for you thanks so much for listening and here's to making your podcast the envy of everyone else